Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. The thing I learned about that movie is that white people stole everything. You guys stole everything. Not like 97%. You guys stole 100% of everything. You took the land. You took the oil. You took the premise of the movie. (laughs) What, that was your premise? As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, The big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear, there's just more to go to here. Sorry about that. Oppenheimer and Barbie are competing for cinematic box office achievement. Oppenheimer is based on a 721-page Pulitzer Prize-winning book about the Manhattan Project. And Barbie is on a plastic doll with big boobies. I watched Barbie, I loved it, I really did love it. Um, I don't want you guys to think that I'm a creep, but it was kind of weird being attracted to a plastic doll. It's just something about your eyes, Ryan. The whole show, just close your eyes, Ryan. Everyone just looks into your eyes. And and Margo, it's not always about you. The key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. (laughs) Some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, shut up. You're kidding me, right? Robert De Niro's here. I'm sorry, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm fanning out. I love you, Robert. Okay, if it's awkward, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do that in front of you. I know it sucks. Um, I'm a bit awestruck. This guy's amazing. Decade after decade, he just kills it every single time. I don't know how you do it, man. I swear to God. Your last performance has got to be your greatest performance ever. How'd you get her pregnant at 80? CGI! CGI? <laughs> Is he looking? Is he looking? Is he looking? You talking to me? Is Barry Keoghan here? Is Barry Keoghan? Where's Barry Keoghan seated? Where are you? Where, oh, oh, right there. Where's your penis seated? <laughs> Down front? That was the real star of the show. That was the real star of the movie. Barry Keoghan's penis. If you haven't seen Saltburn, if you haven't seen Saltburn, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. So watch it. Then you'll understand what I was talking about. And then right after that, watch Barbie. And then you're going to be like, Something, something's missing. 
and then watch Maestro, and you'd be like, oh, there it is, it's on Bradley Cooper's face. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. It's mad. I was watching Maestro, I was like, that thing was dancing in Saltburn. Succession is coming to an end after four beautiful seasons. I loved it. I loved everything about it. The one thing that this show taught me is if you're a billionaire, pull out. None of them are going to be like you. They're going to be a bad version of you. Just pull out. There's billionaires in here. Pull out. Upstairs, where I'm just... And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 10th of January, year of our Lord, 2024. And we start off with the VMAs. Used to do big sections on this. Now it's just stupid. Nobody watches it. But this Joe Coy guy just got everybody upset because he poked at Taylor Swift. And I guess she got mad. There's 5,000 stories. And there's articles about... Travis got mad and Taylor got mad and everybody got mad because you don't talk about Taylor. Ah! It's a true joke, though. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's... I'm on a um, weird-ass uh, Reddit. Reddit. Gaylor Swift. And there's a huge article and I wanted to cover it, but I forgot to... Uh, did I bookmark that? While we're on the subject, we might as well just hit it. Let's let's do that, please. Let, let's do this. We'll play. Uh, while I'm looking it up, Mulvaney was there for his 400 and whatever day of womanhood. So this is a um, Jesus Christ. It is a ten pages of love for her, and in here it is that she is a gay woman. She's bisexual, and and we're talking. They break this shit down that she is. Um, Leaving barrettes, that's a stonewall thing. I mean, it's just bizarre. I didn't I don't see how she could be happy um with this. I just don't. Um it just doesn't make any sense. She dated a million guys, um but somehow the, this person totally believes that Taylor Swift is gay. So um And then we have this one from Gillian Anderson, which really hurt my feelings because I really like Gillian Anderson. Like, I had such a heartthrob for her back in the day. But she wore a dress that's white, 
And the entire dress has the shapes of a JJ. That's what you are. Because of abortion. Yeah. That's that's fucking fantastic. So that was that was that was there. It was great. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking understand these people. I really don't. And I don't think the joke was that bad. I don't think why um it's that bad. I don't get it. It's a true statement. There's too much Taylor Swift. It's gonna be her downfall. She knows it. I think everybody in her camp knows it. Everybody in the world knows it. We're just it's too much. There's so much Taylor Swift you just don't want to see Taylor Swift. And that's not good for any artist, but she's gonna be doing her thing and I saw some videos. She's a mean person. Really surprising, but anyway. Yeah, I got a Taylor Swift thing. I don't know why. I think she's pretty. It's fucking bizarre. But these stories always come up, even in the political stuff, because you can't get away from her and Travis. It's all we hear about is those beautiful people having a love affair. Good for them, but god damn. I just want to get the score every once in a while. Um... Let's go into Biden. Here's some shit from Biden's speech. They did at Valley Forge, and then he did another one at AMA Christchurch. And my God in heaven, is this all they have? Is this what this is what they're running for president on? Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because, Donald, because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. started. Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. My fellow Americans, I don't think the good Lord brought us this far to leave us behind. You can't be pro-insurrection and be pro-country. Interesting, because you motherfuckers spend all your time blowing shit up, burning shit down, That's all you do. 
when you don't win. The Babylon Bee did a fake article saying that's what he'd say, and then he went out and said it. So that's good. And then let's look at Lloyd Austin. Um, It's now cancer. The dude's got cancer. I feel terrible for him, but what would have happened? Seriously, folks, what would have happened if this would have happened under any other president? Any. And the thing it was, he, he didn't even tell anybody. The whole thing is is just absurd. He went on went and got cancer surgery and nobody knew. If this was a Republican uh, heads would fucking roll, but the media's not even covering it. A lot of J6 stuff. We're gonna get to it for a second, but let's get through a few things. Here is the media. I know it's long. You got Avalon, you got fucking Scarborough. You got a lot of motherfuckers. It's all the Trump's a piece of shit, Trump's a piece of shit, Trump's a piece of shit. And it ends with Whoopi saying, you shouldn't care about prices. Trump wants you in a camp. Really, that's what she said. It was, an, or I think, a relatively renewal of an old idea that we've debated in the United States, often with violence, unfortunately, which is the resistance that exists to a multiracial democracy. Um, that characterized the run-up to the Civil War, certainly, but especially Reconstruction uh, and the violence around overturning Jim Crow. And and we saw it at Mother Emanuel that day, and we see it in more benign and politicized forms to this day. And I think that's what Joe Biden, President Biden, was speaking to. In many ways, it's a companion to his speech at Valley Forge just a few days ago, kicking off uh, his campaign, where he said, this is about defending democracy. I think this puts a finer point on it. One of the great obstacles to the fulfillment of democracy's ideal in the United States is white supremacy, is white nationalism, is in some cases Christian nationalism when it is combined with a racial animus, uh, as we've seen too many times. And, And sometimes you've got to listen carefully to hear those strains. But if you know your history, if you're willing to confront it clearly, uh, then then all becomes more evident. We have a fundamental responsibility. Um, uh, And I think it's a civic responsibility that connects journalists, but also citizens. Um, There is an assault on truth that has been going on for several years. It is fomented and crystallized often by Donald Trump's lies, um, uh, and, and they need to be called that, but they're amplified via social media. Um, which amplifies often the most conspiracy theorist version of events, the most confrontational version of events, amplifies uh, people who play to the base. And, and I think that's something still, we're still getting our hand, uh, hands on, around. You know, it, I think the days of, of gatekeepers and Walter... And I just sit there thinking, Charlie, mm. is this what pro-democracy newspapers in Bavaria were writing in 1932, 1933, going, you know... If Adolf Hitler gets to power, it's really us pro-democracy newspapers who are to blame for warning people just how dangerous this Hitler character may be. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Hitler derangement syndrome was a big deal back in 1932. I mean, this is now, it is interesting that you goes on the air and says, on Meet the Press and says, refuses to say she will certify the election, number one, um, and actually defends Donald Trump's use of the term that immigrants are poisoning the blood of the country. President's visit comes as his support among black voters is slipping. In 2020, he carried 92% of that group, but a recent NBC News poll shows just 61% would now choose him over a Republican. 
Do you think that the Biden administration is taking the black vote for granted? Yes, his staff is. Fletcher Smith worked with the Biden campaign in 2020. Now he says he's very concerned about black voters staying home this November. That administration looks like they don't want the black vote. I mean, you got to speak to the black people. Maurice Washington is a conservative who thinks the president focusing on threats to democracy won't work. It has nothing to do with bringing the country together. We spoke with a group of voters who want the president to do more on student debt relief and police reform. I just feel like it's been a lot of polling uh, from the Public Religion Research Institute, which when people were asked if they agreed with the statement that true American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country, 23% of all Americans agreed. 33% of Republicans agreed compared to just 13% of Democrats. So we see that that's an increase, Amna, from past years where more and more Americans believe that violence may be justified. And I spoke with Dr. Rachel Kleinfeld of the Carnegie uh, Endowment who monitors political violence and threats. And she said that she does not believe that there will be violence on the scale of January 6th, but that the country is at risk of heightened violence. But what we are likely to see is very directed violence at the people involved in the court cases against Trump, the prosecutors, the judges, the juries. We're likely to see broad violence against minorities and immigrants that are being um, directed by really ugly campaign rhetoric. We're likely to see a lot of violence in schools because kids tend to take on the polarization. And we're still talking about those challenges. It's time we do something. What are we up against as we undertake this sacred mission? Yeah, I, I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. Fear? What are you gonna take from me? They wanna take over what you got. They wanna control what you have. Bull They are not owed that. Mistrust. All too often, an unwillingness to face the truth of history. It is impossible to come up with a fair metric for recompensing slavery 10 generations after slavery's end. A lack of faith and a lack of, of imagination that deep healing of racial divisions and inequalities could ever happen in many places in America. You want total acrimony and, and racial strife and tension like we've never seen before. You make white folks who had nothing to do with slavery give money to black folks. You many, keep many, saying many slavery, but you can't ignore slavery, Jim Crow. They underestimate the value of the privilege of being white in the United States. I just don't see how you could hold modern day Americans responsible for atrocities 150 years ago. How long, oh Lord, how long must we live with these extreme racial disparities in these United States of America? In the United States, we've never formally reconciled with slaveholding, nor do we choose to remember it. I've been to Germany. The one word they said. Oh, I'm sorry, what's interesting for me is that people's faith in the country is waning. Yes. That's, the, yes. that's the thing that's yes. pissing me off. Because, in fact, there's a reason Joe Biden ran the way he did. There's a reason he's running for democracy now. Because that's really what's at stake. You worried that it you is. can't pay your bill? 
wait till he, the other guy becomes president, and you won't have to worry about it because you'll be in some camp somewhere. Because that's his promise. His promise to us is he's going to force people to do his bidding. That's what he said. I'm with this. I'm going to be good on day one, and I'm going to turn into this other person. So here's the deal. This is all up to you. This is all up to you. We can sit up here till we're green in the face. But this really comes down to the people. What is the country you want? Do you want the country that you kind of thought you had, where we all get to say what we think, and we don't have to be afraid of being American? And believing that, yeah, there will be people who come in and some will get in quick and some will take a different route, but they're coming here for a reason because they're living in a place that's not good for their families. If you're okay with that, you understand that, then fight for us to find a better way to make immigration work. Fight for that. Don't fight for keeping everybody. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? I thought violent rhetoric and shit. What, what about the violent rhetoric? Isn't that bad? We're not to have violent rhetoric. And then I want to touch one thing and then we're going to start getting into um, this. MSNBC Coast cries over January 6th. But I don't want to miss the border, man. The border is, this is some criminal fucking shit. So here is Mayorkas lying a lot. I'm a tough grader on myself and I give myself um, an A for effort. A border shutdown in El Paso, Texas, as hundreds force their way onto the Paso del Norte International Bridge. The Loopville crossing has been closed due to a recent surge of migrants beyond what Border Patrol agents can handle. Outnumbered and out-resourced, Border Patrol agents say they are struggling to keep up with this massive influx of migrants descending on our southern border. Why were you not prepared for this? We have seen uh, large numbers of migration in the past. 12,000 people in a single day crossing the border illegally. That's a, an all-time record. How can you say the border is secure? It is my testimony that the border is secure. Is the border more secure now under your leadership? Congressman, it is no less secure than it was previously. It is quite a remarkable moment to see the DHS secretary insisting that this, this border is closed. Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. By what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition. That's the definition based, of operational control. Based upon the control. definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. Well, What's your definition? What our goal is to achieve operational control of the border, to do everything that we can to support our personnel. We feel they've turned their back on not only the Border Patrol agents, but they've sent a clear message to us in law enforcement they're not interested in solving this. We need to ensure that the men and women out there patrolling the border, investigating these criminal cartels, are actually allowed to do their job each and every day. Migrants believe there's an open border. It's open, not closed. The border is open. I mean, there was people there that traveled 8,000 miles with no water because they're hearing that the border is open. They believed that when the administration changed, that the law changed and policy changed and that th there was an open border. We heard the sheriff say it, the governor say it, and the migrants I spoke to say it. They are coming across because they believe they will be welcomed under the Biden administration. The message is quite clear. Do not come. Uh, the border is closed. The border is secure.
It is my testimony that the border is secure, and we are working every day, day and night, to increase its security. The border, once again, is the 13th biggest state. We have let so many people in. Then one last little jab about the Epstein. Once again, the list, people are on the list. If there weren't liberals on this list, this thing would be a bigger story than what we're seeing. The documents include arguments by Jufre's lawyers who sought testimony from former President Bill Clinton, calling him a key person who can provide information about his close relationship with Maxwell and Mr. Epstein. Jufre never accused Clinton of wrongdoing, but claimed she had dinner with him on Epstein's private Caribbean island. Maxwell called that a lie, and the documents show her attorney said each and every part of plaintiff's claims regarding President Clinton has conclusively been proven false. Clinton was never deposed. After Epstein's arrest, his spokesman denied Clinton was ever on the island. After Jufre's allegations became public, the documents also show Epstein emailed Maxwell seeming to offer advice. You can issue a reward to any of Virginia's friends, acquaintances, family that come forward and help prove her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner. Former President Bill Clinton and Donald Trump mentioned in deposition transcripts. Both have denied any wrongdoing. In one, a woman who once worked for Epstein recalled he spoke to her about Clinton, saying Epstein told her one time, quote, that Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. A spokesman for Clinton referred NBC News to a prior statement from 2019 saying he had not spoken to Epstein in over a decade and was unaware of Epstein's crimes. Schoberg also discussed former President Bill Clinton. She did not accuse him of any wrongdoing, but said Epstein told her one time that Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. Today, the former president's spokesperson pointed to a 2019 statement that said Clinton knew nothing about Epstein's crimes. The same year, Jufre made the unsubstantiated claim former President Clinton had previously threatened the magazine over a story about Epstein. B. Clinton walked into VF and threatened them not to write sex trafficking articles about his good friend J.E. Those involved have long denied it and Vanity Fair's editor at the time told the Telegraph. You know our media is this bad. This is Mika Brzezinski literally using Ask Flotus. People's responses. What you gonna wear? Drape? Shower curtain? Something bedazzled? This should be highly intelligent conversation. Unless you're an actual young woman trying to keep men out of your sport. But finally people got to the point. Why Why are you pushing ass flotus? Chuck Todd compares Trump to Hitler. That was a big thing that went on forever because that's, you know, he has, he's not in the TV anymore. I mean, he's gone. And then we get into K-part, which is this whole thing. First of all, he says it's untrue that people are trying to get Trump off the ballot. And then on cue, and you can see this fagatoni fuckface instantly changes demeanor because he sees the host is acting and crying. 
Well, I want to read to you part of a statement we've just gotten from the Trump campaign. And Jonathan, get your reaction to what David just said into this. Uh, they say in a statement from Stephen Chung, Mr. Trump's spokesman, we welcome a fair hearing at the Supreme Court. They argue this is a bad faith election interfering, voter suppressing uh, argument to remove him from the ballot. I'm paraphrasing here. And at the end, they say we are confident the fair-minded Supreme Court will unanimously affirm the civil rights of President Trump, basically allowing him to remain on the ballot. Jonathan? Um, the the one the one phrase you you left out in your summation in the election interfering voter suppressing Democrat backed and Biden led Fourteenth um, Amendment abusing decision blah 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 I focus on that because that is untrue these challenges are being brought by Republicans in those states challenging his Trump's ability to be on the Republican primary ballot. This is this has nothing to do with Democrats. Not I mean Democrats are surely cheering what's happening, but they're not the driving force behind this. And the the, the former president uh, doesn't want to go there, doesn't even touch it, um, tries to reverse it and put it on Democrats when the the call is coming. Former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanone was there that day, there on the west front of the Capitol, battling the mob. He was dragged down the Capitol steps. He was tased by someone in the pro-Trump mob. He suffered a heart attack during the fighting. And in a detail that crystallizes the horror that unfolded on January 6th, Fanon recalls insurrectionists shouting, quote, kill him with his own gun. Despite having lived through that harrowing assault and living with the consequences of that trauma, Fanon has not stopped defending our democracy. He has sought to hold those responsible accountable, and he has an urgent message for the American people as the 2024 presidential campaign season gets underway. Fanon told HuffPost, quote, ultimately you, the American voter, will be the last line of defense when it comes to preserving democracy as we know it and ensuring the peaceful transfer of power. And it's that serious. Joining me now in studio is Michael Fanone, former D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer, Courage for America Council Member, and author of Hold the Line, The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul. Officer Fanone, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. Um, we are uh, still in the midst of the, the same fight that began uh, on January 6th, 2021. Um, and we have a lot at, at stake in this country. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta fucking be kidding me, man. Come on. It was so long ago. So long ago. And if you really look, if you really look at it, my friends, the BLM riots are 10 times better. People died. Cops died. This is another fuckhead. Um, 
Well, I didn't read that, did I? I need to read that. Name the cities that were burned down by BLM and Antifa and show pictures of those no longer existing cities. Liar. And in cases of looting, BLM activists were begging white kids to stop breaking windows or spray painting in places like MSP, BC, because BLM would get blamed. This is a congressman who also wanted to do the... uh, It's a repeat, sorry. I'm trying to catch up. I'm not doing very good. On January 6th, I was one of the members stuck in the house gallery. I still remember the sounds of the rioters banging on the house chamber doors. I remember consoling my friend and colleagues who just spoken with their families. I remember telling my fellow members to take off their pins so we wouldn't be identified. I remember my ranger training, kicking and protecting those around me. I remember the brave Capitol Police, the ranger training. Who is this fucking douche? Jason Crow. What a turd bucket. But the best one of all, of course, is AOC, and I'm going to put background music on this to make it better. If this was the journey that my life was taking, that I felt that things were going to be okay. Um, um, And that, you know, I had fulfilled my purpose. Anyways, um, sorry guys. So anyways, as I'm hiding in this bathroom, I'm hiding in this bathroom, um, hearing these yells of these men, or just this a man, just one man going, where is she? Where is she? I start to look through the door hinge to see if I can see anything. And there's like a door here and there's like another door here. So I'm like, I'm like trying to look through two door hinges. Um, And so I look through this door hinge and I see this um, white man in a black beanie um, bump just like open the door of my personal office and come inside the personal office and yell again, where is she? Um, and I have never been quieter in my entire life.
So uh, these are the pictures from that day. That's right by the Capitol. I, you know where that is? I've stayed in a hotel right on the road. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. But yeah. Yeah, uh, January 6th was so fucking bad, man. It's the worst ever, dude. Hmm. Yeah. Three years ago, insurrectionists stormed the U.S. Capitol. Shut up. Next. What part of the Civil War could have been negotiated? The slavery part? The secession part? Whether Lincoln should have been present, preserved the Union? Questions for members of GOP, the party... I uh, Shut the fuck up. You're, you're, you're gone. You're done. Just go away. You lost. And then we have this one. Worry that losing the Republican disinformation on... Jan- what disinformation? The tapes got released. Everything you said was a lie. Megats continue to troll and harass me, but I will not be silenced about what they did on January 6th and how they smeared and stained our country's history. I honor my oath to our Constitution. The fact and truth prevail. Winston Waters. So here's a sketch. You're not a serious person and still you want attention. No, you didn't honor anything. Hakeem Jeffries. Election denial is a sickness. Let's roll the tape. Oh, what's the tape? The tape goes back to every fucking election since 2000. The left has said doesn't. It's not real that they cheated. They cheated. Everyone. Covering that shit we covered last time. Um, yeah, they're not gonna. They're not gonna do this. They're gonna blow it off. New York Times fact check nods along to FBI brutes to label Trump a liar on Catholics. That's how bad our media is. It's a true story. They did go out to Catholics. They did go out to Christians. Eric Adams taught people how to search their kids' rooms. But, yeah, the fascists are everywhere. This is huge. Troops don't have, but vets do. Study done by a leftist group that is not even remotely peer-corrected or peer-checked. Yeah, we're all a bunch of... We're just all a bunch of... uh, you know, we are the real terrorist, the left says, because we don't buy all their liberal shit. You may be a fascist if, yeah. Soldiers are covered Christmas drone attack. You know, I, I don't see the media going big on this. I remember Trump in Africa, and it was his, yeah. 
his Benghazi. Those were the words you guys said, but I don't hear it. This is a funny one because remember, democracy dies in the darkness is what we were told. Is the Washington Post a full-scale collapse? A recent look at the numbers provide a fairly convincing answer. According to the report, not only is the Post losing $100 million a year, but it lost over half of its online engagements by the end of 2023 because people are done listening to the media who just keep on saying the liberal lines. New York decided to do this. And, and this is fucking insane. This is, it reminds me of when uh, a bunch of kids got killed on a bus in Texas. And uh, they sued the brake company. They sued everybody. Now they're suing the buses because they say that uh, the buses who are delivering the migrants are fuckfaces for delivering them. Really. But yeah. Maggots. New luck at watch out the maggots. Not not the, the left who you know, once again, Trump is a piece of shit. I don't want him to be president. But let's do the math on this. When Trump was president, we had the checks and balances and a democracy held solid. He, he didn't get to do anything. You guys had your sanctuary cities, your abortion capitals, all that shit. Excuse me, I'm so sorry, burping the mic, that's gross. You guys held down Pat. Nothing changed. He didn't get a ruined democracy because guess what? Democracy's pretty fucking sturdy because we have all sorts of checks and balances. But the best part was that the media did their fucking job and we knew what was going on. Now we don't know when a Secretary of Defense has cancer in his ass. Ass cancer is really serious. You understand that, right? It's prostate, but you know what I mean. We don't know anything about the border. We don't know anything about anything. The left can do whatever the fuck they want. It's fucking scary. And the media doesn't cover shit. So, uh, yeah. That's bad. It's really bad. And I'd rather have Trump in the White House and know what our country's doing and understand the checks and balance were put there by the framers and they fucking work than have an 81-year-old dolt who can't even get off a stage. I could have played a video where... I, I didn't play it because I, I, I'm going to play the video. Hold on. I'm going to find it.
That's not normal. Nobody's had to escort the fucking POTUS off. She was on that stage quicker than shit just to fucking get him off because they, they know he keeps on walking off the stage like he's dazed and confused. That's not normal. But people are telling me I need to vote for that over the fascists. Well, all I see is you guys are fascists. You won't release how fucked up he is mentally because we know he is. God, people, is anybody paying attention to this? Both of them suck ass, but I'd rather have the fucking blowhard that you guys fucking hate than have a guy like that that can't even walk off stage. So enough on that. We're going to move on. This is PBS, our tax dollar. We're talking how great it is that people who are civilians or super liberals hunted down people they saw on January 6th and got them arrested so they get 840 years in prison. Nine well, 1,000 people arrested, but we didn't do anything about BLM. We dropped all the charges. Yeah, not fascist. And then a quick ladder fair. I want to play a couple songs by Polyphia. It's like four minutes, but listen to these guitars. They're fucking gorgeous. I know I have the music one and da-da-da, but I'm going to cover them in the next show, uh, or one of these shows. I got albums to cover, and then I'm going to do Polyphia. And then we're going to go into... Uh, woke. And a nice everything is racist that is all about the Harvard president. In the following days, Sandy, not her real name, joined a massive citizen effort to identify the individuals who broke into the Capitol. She's been directly responsible for helping to put people behind bars. And she now has to hide her identity for fear of retaliation. One of the more insidious ones would be um, a J6er who is yet to be arrested. He started sending me um, like videos of him racking his gun. Sandy is today part of an informal community of dozens of ordinary Americans who came to be known as sedition hunters. Over time, they developed their own methodologies, guidelines, even a software application to keep track of every individual rioter, giving each one a pseudonym and compiling dossiers of evidence that they then turned over to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, along with the rioters' real identity. I don't think I 
whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. She faced allegations of plagiarism for material contained in her academic writings. Harvard had previously ordered an investigation that revealed, quote, a few instances of inadequate citation, but the university finding no violation of its standards for research misconduct. And some professors, they're unhappy about how all of this went down, saying that the university is caving to Republican political pressure. President of Harvard University Claudine Gay resigned today, weeks after her controversial testimony before Congress about anti-Semitism, and as she faced mounting accusations of plagiarism. This was a stunning fall from power. Claudine Gay became Harvard's president just six months ago with high expectations, but now she's become the shortest serving one in the university's history. This morning, growing fallout at Harvard University after the school's president resigned over a flurry of controversies. Afterwards, Dr. Gay apologized for what she called poor wording in her testimony. But conservative... Uh, as you mentioned, this is really uh, a combination of multiple factors, right? It was the fact that the university's response to October 7th uh, was criticized as not condemning Hamas forcefully enough. The Harvard Corporation actually criticized Claudine Gay's uh, initial response. A and then you throw on top of that the, the testimony, right? That was, it was more than four hours of testimony before lawmakers, but it really just came down to a precious uh, few minutes where Claudine Gay and the leaders of the University of Pennsylvania and MIT, they struggled to answer a question that a lot of people thought would be a simple one to answer is calling for the genocide of Jews against the school's code of conduct, and they all, uh, they all fumbled that response. And then you layer on top of that these plagiarism allegations uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Now, we should note that... Um, I do want to just pivot to another thing, because there's another thing happening, Jelani. There, there is this sort of open war on black progress, black history. Um, Claudine Gay, the president uh, of Harvard University, at least up until she resigned, um, is now the latest casualty of that. Christopher Rufo, um, who is out there touting and, you know, high-fiving and claiming the scalp of Claudine Gay, telegraphed that this was what they were going to do, that they were going to associate um, these DEI professors of colleges with BLM and decolonization and Hamas in the public mind and get rid of them. He's now claiming victory. He telegraphed that this was the campaign. Why are these elite colleges capitulating to it and essentially making it so uncomfortable for these women leaders that they have to step down to be replaced by white men? Because that is the goal well, of 
Chris. Now, the latest fallout surrounding former Harvard President Claudine Gay. Just one day after she resigned from the top job at the prestigious school, she's speaking out in a New York Times op-ed piece. In it, she suggested that she was the victim of a coordinated campaign to remove her. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is here with details. Hey, Aaron, good morning. Hoda, good morning. In that letter, Claudine Gay says she's received death threats and called the truth a casualty amid controversy. She also tried to shed new light on her brief tenure as Harvard president that was plagued with allegations of anti-Semitism on campus and plagiarism in her work. I am Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University. A day after her bombshell resignation, former Harvard president Claudine Gay penning a letter with stunning new revelations. In the op-ed for the New York Times published Wednesday, she writes, this was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faith in pillars of American society. In the letter, Gay reflecting on her tenure as president, which came under intense scrutiny by critics who say she mishandled anti-Semitism on Harvard's campus following the start of the Israel-Hamas war, admitting, yes, I made mistakes, and describing her testimony at last month's congressional hearing as falling into a well-laid trap. At the time, her exchange with Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik drawing fierce criticism. Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer... Mara Gay, just looking at uh, what's been happening at campuses across the country, your take on this latest news. Well, I think there's a lot going on here, and so we just want to be careful um, that yeah. we contextualize everything properly. Um, the thing that really disturbs me is the unrelenting campaign from the right and from some mm -hmm. conservative activists to uh, slander, discredit, and ultimately, I, I guess, uh, you know, somebody used the phrase, uh, we've claimed a scalp, I, said, I think, on uh, social media, you know, to essentially unseat gay and other presidents as well um, when they don't like... Uh, you know, not just the handling of uh, the horrific attacks on Israel on October 7th, the way that that was handled on campus, but really anything else uh, that they don't like about uh, not just these presidents, but actually what they would call wokeism on campus. Mm -hmm. So this is really an attack on academic freedom. It's an attack on uh, people who are pluralists and believe that you should bring people from all over the world together uh, of diverse backgrounds and that you, you actually have more scholarly rigor and, and more um, value can be uh, brought by having people from different backgrounds. This is an attack on diversity. This is an attack on multiculturalism and on many of the values that a lot of us hold dear and in fact, anybody really who is around my age in their 30s who went to any uh, public, major public university or private university in this country, you know, these are values that are very important. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's why these presidents are under attack. That's why Claudine Gay was under attack. The fact that she's a black woman and the first person uh, who is a, a black American to lead Harvard uh, only added to their thirst to dethrone her. 
And, you know, those attacks, you don't have to, I don't have to say that they're racist because you can hear and see the racism, the attacks when people like Vivek Ramaswamy say, uh, you know, uh, okay, this is, this is a problem about diversity and hiring. I mean, this is racism as well. Well, I respect and validate everything you're saying at the same time. Those were pretty simple questions that they were being asked at the hearing, okay? That's number one. And then in the case of Claudine Gay, uh, the um, plagiarism aspect of this was an added problem. So a lot of things going on, very complex, and a conversation we should continue to have. Um, Willie? Yeah, and for I know that's a lot, but God bless America. Come the fuck on, man. When can you not just stop being shills? When? That's fucked up, dude. NAACP can't say it. Everybody can't say it. Yeah, I'm stalling because I forgot to open up my web pages because I had to restart the computer because it was getting a little slow. I mean, yeah, no, no, I know that's not English. But I, I just don't, I don't. Somebody tell me when the insanity is going to stop. And I pulled back that stupid video of that person going, stop the insanity. But I am not going to. So NAACP, we cannot let Dr. Gay's legacy be tarnished and erased. What legacy? She got there because she plagiarized. It's been a day of awful takes in the media about the resignation of former President Claudia Gay. Let's just go through a few. How a proxy fight over campus politics brought down Harvard's president, New York Times. Politico, nightly report on the rights, coordinated campaign that helped engineer the departure. Hold on. Are you a coordinated campaign? Coordinated. CNN, Matt Egan. We should note that Claudia Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's idea in any of her writings. She has been accused of sort of more like copying other people's writing and attributions. Iran Kendi. Racist mobs won't stop until they topple all black people from the position of power and influence that are not reinforcing the structure of racism. What these racist mobs are doing should be obvious to any reporter who cares about the truth. Okay, I'm going to put this pretty fucking simple. This is very simple. Ready? She stole black people's work. It wasn't a white person. The black person said this is bullshit. Not a white person. A black person. Lamont Hill, it must be a black person. Jamel Hill. It wasn't proven she plagiarized. FYI, Harvard didn't find any evidence. Yeah, they did. AP. This is an actual headline of Associated Press. Plagiarism is a breach of rules for Harvard University. And now becomes a new conservative weapon against college plagiarism. Really? 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 You're really, right? You're for real? 
This is this is for real. This isn't a joke. So here are two of the the worst uh, DEI, and the first one is uh, Veshi brought on, of course, the biggest racist we've ever had. The sixteen nineteen person. Uh, but this one's important for people to understand because a lot of Americans have been hoodwinked. They think uh, Claudine Gay is out uh, because she said something anti-Semitic, which she didn't. They think Claudine Gay is out because she plagiarized. Uh, she had some inconsistencies in her citations, uh, which she reviewed and asked for corrections to, and Harvard determined that that was not, uh, that, that the proper uh, steps were taken. She's out because they came for her. She's out because a very organized group of people, very similar to the people who came for you, came for her. Yes, absolutely. You know, one, let me just say, um, my heart is really with uh, Dr. Gay. Um, this is a woman who had a stellar academic career and has had her reputation sullied strictly for political reasons. I know yes, exactly you know what, that what like. that's like. Um, this is not about plagiarism. This is not about anti-Semitism. This is about, um, as you said, an extremely well-organized propaganda campaign from the right um, to make anyone black in a high position of power seem like a, a diversity hire, a, an unqualified affirmative action hire. This is the next iteration of the anti-critical race theory campaign that led to the banning of books and curricula that's now trying to target people of color in leadership positions and um, do a great deal of damage to the racial progress that has been made. And in fact, it's it's the same people, the, the same guy, Chris Rufo, who popularized uh, CRT incorrectly, who also had Donald Trump uh, write, you know, edicts about what it should be. The same people who wanted to get 1619 out of the vernacular and started the hashtag 1776. It's the same thing. It's this movement that says... Most people feel like we live in a meritocracy. When in a lot of cases, we live in a meritocracy. You hire people that are like you, you, and you see that all over the place. And so people don't quite know where they are, and it's, a very, it's very easy to attack. Uh, Raihan, has, in effect, the country moved on from the so-called racial reckoning we were all talking about after the murder of George Floyd? I think there is a broad sense that that racial reckoning involved smuggling in certain really contentious ideological ideas that weren't ultimately about diversity, but rather were about imposing ideological uniformity. When you're looking at DEI bureaucracies, what really is noxious about them is that they actually don't respect all sorts of diversity, including viewpoint diversity, including the fact that, look, in some cases, you have groups that are overrepresented, and that can be okay. You know, the point that J.D. Vance was making about the Dallas Mavericks is that it can be good and healthy and reasonable in some domains to have overrepresentation. Underrepresentation can also what she be. Said. But, well, you can say it's ridiculous. You can make that assertion, but fundamentally, the fact that you know, I am one second-generation Asian American on a panel of four. I am massively, massively overrepresented. But I think it's reasonable to say that you're going to judge people based on their merits. And when you're looking at organizations this is, that count excuse that matter, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is the burden, and I can't tell you how infuriating I find it. This is the burden that always comes with representation. The idea is that because you are a person of color, suddenly 
Um, it is, you are only there because it is some noblesse oblige. It is because some white guilt put you there because there was some DEI initiative. And you can't win either way. Either way you look at it. I mean, what infuriates me is you look at the whole Claudine Gay thing, and, and everyone's talking about DEI. This woman cannot win or lose either. She, uh, if she is there, I'm happy to talk about no, Claudine let me finish. Gay, let, let me let me let me finish. If she's there, it's because of DEI that they put her there because she's black. If she loses and they kick her out, it's because she actually was never good enough to be there in the beginning, and she was. You can't win in this situation, yeah, but, and it is and it is infuriating I, I as get, a person get, of color the, to constantly have this cudgel put on our. I get on our the heads. argument you, you can't win, but you also can't have it both ways. You can't celebrate and tout that someone was hired, and it's a wonderful thing to expand diversity, and Harvard went full tilt talking about how great it was to hire the first black woman, and then say all of a sudden... The first when black she's person. It wasn't even the first black woman. It was okay. the first black person. I don't care. The point is, is that she got caught obviously plagiarizing, and... That is the, those are the facts that, you know, there's this massive This was an piece. ideological, Absolutely. very well-funded... The, the motives and, of the attack and, don't and, change the fact that she plagiarized. And, and where I disagree oh, with you, Kara, is when you say... When somebody when, fails who's white and, and who's mean, a man... Let me finish. Like when someone fails... Yeah, when, yes. When someone... Nobody... In fact, there's books written about this. Fail and then come back. Um, you know, look pivot. look at pivot. Exactly. Pivot. pivot. Nice way to get in your Thank podcast. You. Um, <laughs> you know, pivot. And then when a person of color fails, all of a sudden it's an indictment of an entire system that the right doesn't This is like. so yeah. ridiculous. She was a graduate of Exeter and Stanford with a PhD from Harvard. And you know she, why? Second you generation, so second generation Haitian American who came from a family that dominated the concrete industry right, in right. Haiti. She was not the wretched of the earth. She was someone who should no. be judged on her merits. Wait, and I'm her sorry, chief black qualification. Have to be wretched? No, absolutely not. But she was selected because she established the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging at Harvard. She presided over a steep decline in the free speech climate. Okay, and she also right. targeted minority professionals. Go ahead, Lolo. Who dissented from her perspective. That no, was a problem. That. She was a person with ideas, not Ryan, someone who belongs to the Democratic Party. One thing that strikes a lot of women and people of color a lot, it seems like standards are only applied when it comes to women and people of color. Indeed. I have seen so many incompetent men on boards of internet companies, and they always talk about, well, we're going to bring on a woman to be more diverse when they have basically driven a company into a wall. Do you and remember Ruth we Simmons, never the judge of Brown University? used the word standards with white men. We just yes. don't. And, uh, just and merit don't. and all these other words. And let me just say one other thing. The president that... of Brown University celebrated African-American women. No one questioned her credentials, her excellence right, as a steward of that institution. Are you actually saying that what happened to Claudine Gay was not a completely engineered... I mean, it was... Chris Rufo said it. He actually admitted to the fact that this was an entirely engineered. Chris Rufo, push, we just quickly should explain a conservative right. activist who activist my colleague, who led the charge. And, and my colleague, who, who look, this was not a concerted campaign out of whole cloth. This was based on ideological predilections. Yes. This was based on the fact that she was entrenching certain ideas. She was someone who was actually doing great damage to an important American institution. In your and what he was trying to do was surface the hypocrisy. You know, the idea that we are defending free speech when, in fact, free speech, Harvard literally ranked dead last among research universities in the country on the speech climate. Let, let, women, women, black people, Latinos, we're always the ones who have to sit here and say, you know what? 
it's exactly right. When when we make a mistake, we have to wear the cloak of shame and say we never deserve to like be here to begin Latina, with. Like, like and, and, and I'll, let me, and I'll say something Pan. else. And I just want to say this last thing. When we're talking about DEI, which is, you know, there was this big push in 2020 thinking, okay, here we are. Um, we've had a big racial, racial reckoning. And you know what happened? All these DEI offices that were created, 75% of them were led by white men. In any and that's case, all I have to I say about that. I would recommend reading Mark Cuban on this because he really is smart. He's talking about building a business that's diverse for the future. I got no and to do these little businesses. these little tweets about so how do we get racism there? is not useful. You can't you can't fight. Look, can my, problem with, my, my problem with DEI is it's illiberal, right? It's speech policing. Claudine Gay got attention because she couldn't figure out how to speak clearly and with, with moral seriousness about anti-Semitism while she's talking about DEI, right? She says, well, you know, except for the stuff about Jewish genocide, we believe in all of these other things. That's what got the attention to her, and she would still be there today if she wasn't a plagiarist. Well, I am That's the fact. I am glad we settled this. <laughs> Let's lighten things up here a little. You may... These fucking people, man. <clears throat> and here's a trailer from a new movie about how white people are garbage. Oh, the perfect timing. This is Coraline. Hello, dear. I'm Agnes. Okay. I'm happy you're not white. Me too. Yeah. These are great people, man. These are great. You remember, it's those maggots. Gotta watch out about the maggots. The maggots are bad. They're bad maggots. I'm done with this. Patty Jenkins and Kevin Fringe Star Wars films have been shelved because people got sick of all the fucking craziness. They're gonna go for it. This lady sexed a 15-year-old kid. Then we have this about abortion. And this just... Once again, I, I don't care about abortion. But then when I hear stories like this, I really care about abortion. The last abortion that I had, I actually saw the baby come out. You this one was the medical out. abortion. Oh. We go to the Planned Parenthood. A guy doctor comes in. He's like, here's the pill. Take the pill. And I'm so scared. So I'm looking at him. He's like, come on. And the doctor's like, take the pill. And I'm looking at him. He's like, what are you waiting for? The doctor's like, the pill's right here. And I'm just like, you know, uh, uh. so much pressure gave in, put this dumb pill in my mouth. They give me the four pills to take home. I sit down on the couch. All of a sudden, I feel like this pain. And I go to the bathroom, and I literally delivered a baby. The baby was like this big. I saw the little tiny limbs, little arms, little everything. And the baby's heart was still beating. And it starts to go slower and slower and slower until the baby passes away. And after that precious life was lost, I almost lost my own life because that abortion didn't go the way Planned Parenthood wanted it to be. They make you sign a waiver that if you happen to die, they are not held liable. I remember calling them and I'm like, I am bleeding uncontrollably. It's been months already. And they're like, it's fine. You're going to be bleeding. You're going to be bleeding. I'm like, something is wrong. The bed soaked in blood. And I started getting a fever and I go to the hospital. I had to pee in a cup and my urine was all like purple. And they did an emergency surgery. What happened was when I delivered the baby, the placenta and everything We're else in stayed inside oh. and it was rotting. And my uterus stayed open. So I had an infection. Ooh. It was going through my bloodstream. 
stream. The nurse said that had I not come in within those hours in that morning, she's like, you, you would have died. Yeah, that's, that's a murder. In any other land, it'd be murder. 81% of all political jokes are against conservatives. Does anybody actually get surprised about that? I don't get surprised about it. That's just pretty standard fare right now. It is what we have. Um, we just are garbage. We're garbage people. Um, there's nothing you can do to change the garbage. I'm opening a bunch of shit that I didn't have when I put this podcast together. And we're going to finish up with a bang. Because it's my favorite time of the show where we... Well, let's see. White people not censor face. Okay, I'm just going to move some of this shit to race for next time. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, far right figure. Excuse me. School. Oh, yeah, we're going to cover that. And we're going to cover that. And we're going to cover that. And we're not going to cover that. Okay. So. We're going to remove William Penn from the National Park Service because somehow, some way, we believe that's going to assuade the people. Here's the deal, man. You're going to run out of shit to tear down. These people just fucking, they're running out of things to hate. So you just keep coming up with new hate. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. So, to prove that we're coming and coming and coming, which sounds sexual, which is not what I meant to do, uh, I'm going to move this up here. Shaboom! Here's our trans stuff. we got people destroying churches, a bunch of trans people, some more trans destruction, and The View celebrating trans something fucking day with... Uh, gender fucking bending people, book story hour, drag queen craziness. As a law professor who teaches criminal law, I felt compelled to inform you to be gay, do crimes. Also, look at my pretty earrings today. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women. And the children, too. Here's my hot take as a doctor. I totally agree. It is okay to be fat. We don't say that enough, but it needs to be normalized. If you are fat, that is okay. It is typically not a problem that requires immediate solving. It is not an emergency. You don't have to drop everything in the pursuit of being not fat. Aaron said this other thing in a different video that I totally agree with as well, is that it is okay to not be healthy. We act like it is this moral failing, this cardinal sin that you deserve a scarlet letter if you are not healthy. And there's a name for that and that's called healthism. Now don't get me wrong, in my line of work, there's a lot of people that I see that want to gain weight, lose weight, take other measures that they think will improve their health in some way. And by all means, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you with that and be supportive of that. But a good doctor will not judge you for being fat. They will not judge you for being unhealthy. They will not judge the decisions that you made or the decisions that were made for you, which is the much more likely scenario that got you to the point where you are right now. We're here to help you with the changes that you want to make. And if you are someone who wants to lose weight for health purposes, and there are certain scenarios where losing weight can be health promoting, we're here to help you with that. We are also here to help you if you decide to not make any changes at all. We're still there.
things about a drag show is there's no one that's out of place at a drag show. It right. does Not feel that. so inclusive, which right. I love. Yes. But the art house is located in Miami, which is under the state rule of Governor DeSantis. And I know he's really come for drag, sho drag shows in LGBTQ plus communities. And our shoes, too. Lately. <laughs> <laughs> What's his problem? What's no, his but why problem? is it so important yeah. now more than ever to keep performing? Oh. Well, let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. The arts saves lives. Can mm -hmm. I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. amen. Drag shows bring people together. When you come to our show, you leave your problems at the door. You leave whatever the governor said at the door, whatever the president said at the door. You don't want to hear about them at our show. You come to our show to hear Cher, Beyonce, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and have a good time. And regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, you're all there to celebrate one thing, the drag queens, the show, the art that we're providing, and you become closer together. I've seen people who would probably never talk to each other on the streets. They come to our show and they leave laughing and joking, and it's just, it's a place where people come together. It's really magic. I love it. I love it. Do you think that... Uh... Maybe DeSantis secretly wants to get dressed up in ladies' clothes. Is that possible? Well, he has my number, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's really important that we understand that it's not that DeSantis went after, you know, LGBTQ and drag. He went after the R House in specific. Yeah, he tried yeah. to shut them down. For over a year, they've been under attack. They've been targeted. They've been terrorized. They've spent a fortune in legal fees. And so, you know what? The drag queen survived in his campaign. Oh, man, it's so hard to unpack some of this shit. Vermont gets 4K in grants for more rural drag story hours. Rural. Rural. One of those was a teacher in uh, Albany. Uh, then we start getting into these, and I'm just going to grab stuff. Um... Of course, uh, our media is not going to cover any of this because we've stopped covering all of this. But the shooter was this, and we know he was that. Um, NBC, this is the Matt Levates. This is the take off another. This is the fourth trans person to fuck schools up or try to fuck schools up. Oh, we're seizing on it. It's seized. Well, here's the problem. The reason why people are seizing for it is because we go after everybody on the right, even if they don't do a crime, we go after them and we arrest them. But we knew this guy was fucked up. And what do we do? Nothing. Because the Justice Department doesn't want to touch this segment of the populace because they want to win an election for Biden. So what we're going to do is we're going to know crimes and we're going to start pushing this. Interest in lawsuit concerning treatment of gender dysphoria and correctional studies settings. Because that's one of the things. Hey, we're not putting guys with girls and they are not being able to fuck. Yeah. Okay. I, I... Man, this is bad, dude. This is all such a bad stuff. <clears throat> so yesterday we were watching a bunch of YouTube stuff and this came down and I, I... Once again, you can't keep up with this stuff. It's impossible to keep up with all the gender shit. But now we have palm sexuality. 
people with sexual orientation is not homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual. This is a lefty who's saying what the rest of us are saying. It's toxic. This whole gay culture is just out of control now. Um, and then we, I found a bunch of studies that are people are, or people are starting to do op-eds. Hey, what is causing the Gen Z gay explosion? Do we know? One of the articles starts with this. Acquired sexuality. Homosexuality. And they're saying that is not a thing and it can't happen and you're a liar and you're homophobe if you think so. But it's true. It is becoming a problem. Because if it isn't just homosexuality, it's this stuff, which, folks, this is all... Go to YouTube... And just let the fucking the algorithm take over. You watch one show about this crap, guess what you get? Ghost self. They're making shit up. Because guess what? They all want to be different. But you're running out of different because we have a million different difference. So for our This Is America, NBC fawns over a new children's book about Ruth Gator Bader Ginsburg. And they're so happy. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Now with the story of an American trailblazer and pop culture icon, but the story is being told in a whole new way. Ruth Bader Ginsburg broke barriers as the first Jewish woman to ever sit on the Supreme Court. She advocated for women's rights and gender equality until she died in 2020. Well, now young readers are learning her story through the best-selling book series called Ordinary People Change the World. Brad Meltzer is the author of I Am Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Clara Spera is RGB's granddaughter. She is all also an attorney and lecturer at Harvard Law School. That apple didn't fall far from the tree at all. Uh, thank you both for being here. This is such an exciting project. Brad, let me just start with you. How did it come to be? What, was, what was the impetus? It, it was my own kids. I wanted to give my kids better heroes to look up to. Heroes of perseverance and kindness. And we look around where we are today. Being a successful business person doesn't make you a hero. You got to think about someone beside yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. I'm Amelia Earhart. I am Abraham Lincoln. And this is the 10 year anniversary. We, of course, are doing I Am Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's yeah. a great series. It really is. And, and the book shows uh, RGB as, as starting off you know, as a young girl. Why was that important, Clara? Well, I think it's a way to connect with all readers and especially young children and their families uh, by demonstrating that my grandmother, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, was a child just like everybody else. I think mm -hmm. it helps to inspire other children. And this is the theme throughout the Ordinary People Change the World series. It's not just limited to my grandmother. Right. I love that about the series. This book is so great because you do get to, you know, learn about her history and where she came from. But you knew her as a grandmother. What did you call her and what was time spent with her like? 
I called her Bubby, uh, <laughs> as uh, many young uh, Jewish grandchildren do call mm -hmm. their grandmothers. Uh, and time with her was time, like I imagine, most grandchildren spend with their grandmothers. That's, That's terrific. Well, congratulations. This book is it's adorable, the whole series, but that was it's a good such one. a great. Oh, God, these people are garbage. And here's Cory Bush to sign us off. Our country owes, owes a debt to the descendants of enslaved black people, not just for slavery, but for what followed, like black codes, redlining, Jim Crow, and mass incarcerations. That's why I introduced the Reparations Now Resolution with a capital N-O-W. This country has an obligation. Somebody got really smart-ass, and I think this is funny, but... Uh, I'm sure this person doesn't think it's funny. Boom. Black on white. White on black. Yeah. And then somebody decided to use motherfucking history, which is a scary thing, man. It's just a scary thing. But last time I checked, but now 360,000 white people died or Union soldiers. So... Yeah. I personally think, uh, yeah, you're wrong. So, by now, I'm not going to talk about this second podcast I'm doing. If you listen to the channel, you're already picking it up. It seems to have a more reposts, what I noticed, than the other one, which is kind of cool. Um, I enjoy doing it, and I'll be doing another one this week. I'm going to do Depeche Mode Violator on... Uh, Saturday or Sunday. And then we'll go Monday for another Flyover Politic podcast. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic podcast. Share it with your family and friends. Go to Flyover Politic with a K on SoundCloud, 482467 on Rumble, foppodcast at gmail.com. So, Saturday is the 13th, will be a old dude music review, and probably the 14th. Let's go with the 14th, another FOP podcast. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the fucking yeah yes. And use this email foppodcast at gmail.com foppodcast at gmail.com to tell me I suck or any subjects you'd like covered on this or music covered on the other one. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives.